is it saves the post office. Have you noticed you're paying more for less? I was totally stranded. No TP? Consumerworld.org says manufacturers have so cut the number happened? of sheets yeah. per toilet paper roll and they're upping prices, leaving Mr. Whipple with a lot less to love. Oh, Whipple. Please don't squeeze the S&P futures up 73. This is CBS News. There's always something new under the sun. CBS Mornings, weekdays on CBS. How do you make the most of your mow? Tony and Melissa do it on a John Deere Z530M Z-Track mower. Jump out of the house, a cup of coffee, and I'm at work. You're riding around, it's like going on a go-kart. And for Rodney, he uses his John Deere X350 lawn tractor to turn his yard into... A happy place. It's a great place to do Tai Chi. I work on my mind, body, and well-being. There are millions of ways to make the most of your mow. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deere.com. Nothing runs like a deer. That's the sound of a crack in the ceiling found at a home inspection. But with a Realtor by your side, a newfound leak might only cause minor worries. With their expertise, a Realtor can suggest a credit at closing and even connect you to a contractor to help you shore up that leak and alleviate your worries. When it comes to cracks in your plans, the expertise of a Realtor can make all the difference. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. British scientists have found and filmed one of the greatest ever undiscovered shipwrecks 107 years after it went down. When polar explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton's ship, the Endurance, sank off Antarctica in 1915, he famously sailed his entire crew 800 miles to safety. Now, marine archaeologist Mensenbaum has found and filmed her. She's upright on the seabed, and she's largely intact. Historian Dan Snow. The brass is still shining on the stern. The wood looks like it's brand new. Could the endurance be lifted? One day the engineering will be there, but that's beyond my lifetime. This is our little gift to the future. For now, endurance sleeps untouched two miles down. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Spring's almost here, but deliveries of shorts, bathing suits, and sandals are held up in the snarled supply chain. Wall Street Journal says a lot of retailers are still waiting for seasonal stock. Among them, Untuck It, still without half the shirts featured in its March catalog. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Millions of people use Zoom Phone, the innovative and feature-rich cloud phone system for businesses of any size. Zoom Phone is simple to use, whether you're on a mobile device, desktop, laptop, or desk phone. And because every call is important to your business, Zoom Phone was built with reliability in mind, using geographic redundancy to keep your communications online. Empower your workforce with Zoom Phone. Visit zoom.com slash phone system. Zoom, how the world connects. You can unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash-out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current as a 12-12-21. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS consumer access. Not over 3030. Call 800-490-1233 for disclosures and cost information. At Pizza Cottage, they always use the finest ingredients, treat their customers and employees like family, and always give back to the community. From pizzas to subs, wings to pasta, they have everything for your family to enjoy. You can also book their party rooms and their food trip. Pizza Cottage has a new location at 951 East State Street for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery. Three doors. 
So visit them today or visit their website, www.pizza-cottage.com. At Ohio Health, you can see your doctor here, there, or anywhere, whether it's in person. Hi there. How are you feeling today? Or at home. Hi there. How are you doing? At one of our 200-plus care sites across the state. All right. Let's take a look. Or on your tablet, smartphone, or computer. So when did this problem start? You'll feel good knowing Ohio Health provides the finest care anywhere. Schedule care today at ohiohealth.com slash finest care. Your sports leaders in Athens County, 970 WATH and WXTQ Power 105, the flagship station of your Ohio Bobcats and the home of the Athens County Game of the Week. And on 970 WATH, tune in for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Cincinnati Reds, Columbus Blue Jackets, Cincinnati Bengals, and all season long, Athens Bulldog football, basketball, and baseball. Monday through Friday, tune in to the sports fans starting at 6.06 and stay up to date with local sports. Follow us on Twitter at WATHWXTQ Sports. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 10 o'clock p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse over on West Union Street in Athens. Athens County cares about you. I'm Micah. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 on Classic Hits 970 AM and 971 FM WATH for discussions about essential information for seniors such as nutrition, caregiving, mental health, Medicare, and all other relevant topics for seniors in Athens County and the surrounding areas. Athens County Cares, a project of United Seniors of Athens County, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 AM on WATH. Fentanyl is now the leading cause of death for Americans 18 to 45 years old. Fentanyl is being mixed illegally with drugs like counterfeit painkillers, heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine. You cannot see, taste, or smell fentanyl, but there is something you can do to protect others. Naloxone is an FDA-approved medication that works to reverse an opioid overdose, including fentanyl overdose. Learn where to receive free training in naloxone at www.healtogetheroh.org forward slash Athens. Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? Well, Boots is a man of many talents and has knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey, Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of what band? The Cars. What was Gary Newman's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you'd like to add? Cars, cars, cars. 57 Chevy. Cars, That's Auto cars, Smarts. Friday cars, afternoons cars, at 106 cars, on 970 cars, WATH cars, and 97.1 FM. That's a 57 Chevy? Cars, cars, cars. Hi, I'm Dr. Gordon Christensen. When I became a dentist, I learned how quickly poor oral health can lead to other serious health problems. And for people without access to care, these problems can spiral very quickly. I wanted to help, so I joined Dental Lifeline Network. Right now, there's a wait list for patients in need in your community. I'm asking fellow dentists who will join me in seeing one patient per year. To learn more, visit willyouseone.org. I-N-E-P-T, Inept Tech, 2468. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. And here we are, fans, in the fourth quarter of the Toilet Bowl football game in Flushing. The Oysters of NF Tech leading Flushing State by a score of 9-7. to seven. Late in the ball game, 37 seconds left. It's fourth down. The Oysters have the ball back on their own 12-yard line, and we have Coach Arturf, Mike, down on the sidelines. Let's see if we can listen in and see what the Oysters' strategy is going to be. All right, all y'all boys, listen up. Can't talk too good now. Been yelling the whole ball game. All we got to do... 
Let's run out this clock. We got ourselves a victory. All right, we're gonna punt the ball out of here. Where's Wedgman? Wedgman, where are you? Can't find Wedgman. We gotta run us a play. All right, everybody listen up. 82, ABX zig out. We're gonna run out the clock. Come on, let's go. Time back in on the field. The Oysters are not going into punt formation on fourth down. They're gonna run the ball. The quarterback, third and 12, has it. He pitches the ball back to Needles Norrigan in the backfield. Norrigan running with the ball. Now back to Shorty Summers. Summers cuts to the right. They're about to bring him back. He pitches the ball back to half-time Hines. Hines is going to pitch it back to Norrigan. He's going to be tackled in the end zone. It's going to be a safety, and the ball game is tied at 9-9, and we're going to go into overtime. We'll be back with that overtime period right after we pause for this message. Oh, boy. A tie ball game when they had it. But at any rate, the Art Turf Show is proudly sponsored by Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. How appropriate. And we're back with you at Flushing for the final conclusion of this toilet bowl football game. The Oysters of NAP Tech and Flushing State tied 9-9. The Oysters, for some reason, did not punt the ball on fourth down. And Flushing State was able to trap them in the end zone for a safety right on the final play of the game as time expired to send it into overtime. Now NF Tech has lost the toss again, and they'll be kicking off to start the overtime period. Sammy Sidewinder, the kicker, is ready to go. The lines are down. He approaches the ball, and there's the kick. It's a high, twisting in over end kick. Paul Plunger. The ace running back for Flushing State is going to take it on the 15. Moves up to the 20. He's to the 25. Gets a block to the 30. Moves left to the 35. Now to the 40. 45, 50. NF Tech in pursuit. Gap Gibson misses a tackle on the 35. He's down to the 30. Down to the 25. The 20. They're not going to get him. And Plunger goes into the end zone for a touchdown. And this sudden death overtime period has ended. Flushing State has won this toilet bowl football game by a score of 15 to nine. Oh, what a tough loss for the Oysters. I, I wonder if we still have the mic down on the sidelines where Coach Art Turf is. Oh, what a heartbreaking loss it was. Coach Turf, if you can hear me, a touchdown run on the opening kickoff of overtime. What a way to lose a ball game. Well, all I can say is it was a fine ball game. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H morning with all that snow coming down i i had to have my windshield wipers on uh, the fast mode you know flip-flopping left and right and 
now it's basically gone again. Well, maybe there's a flake or two still coming. Anyway, supposed to get up to 45 degrees today, so whatever it was, it's going to disappear fairly soon. Uh, 34 degrees here on Columbus Road at this moment. Scott, good morning. Good morning. Today is National Get Over It Day. (laughs) 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 National Barbie Day. Like uh, the doll, I guess. Uh, National Meatball Day. National Registered Dietitian Nutritionist Day. And National Crab Meat Day. You know, I understand that um, a lot of crab and that sort of Seafood is affected by this Russian um, deal, you know? Um, From the sounds of it, a lot of things will be. Well, yes, of course. But, I mean, uh, you just never know uh, what all, where all things are coming from, I guess. Right. But, uh, you know, you would assume that if you're eating crab or something like that, that it's coming from. New England area of our nation. Where you were, uh, were you, would, would your designation have been a longshoreman? No, mercy, no. no. Or? I think of a longshoreman as working with, you know, the huge uh, containers. Okay. Well, I thought maybe you work with huge containers of, like, seafood and things no. like that. Or 50, 50, what are they, 55-gallon drums? Uh, that's uh, barrels, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, that's about the largest thing I worked with. But it was full of rotten fish, which we used <laughs> as uh, uh, bait for the traps, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, I, w- I was... The term they would have put on me at during that period of my life was lobsterman. A lobsterman. Yeah. Palm Tree, the Lobsterman. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. Did, had I told you that? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway. You're, palm, you're palm the, tree. the Duke of Dave and the Palm Tree. Oh, Duke of Dave. I've of never heard that. Palm one. Tree Lobsterman. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see here. Anyway, National Crab Meat Day. It is one of my favorites. Had some last night, as a matter of fact. Um, that is good. I like it in a uh, stuffed mushroom. Uh, mushroom. I like it in anything. Melted butter all over. Mm. See, I had um, what do they call it? Fajita. Mm-hmm. I had that last night with um, shrimp and crab meat inside. Hmm. Yeah. Best one I had. Stuffed mushroom uh, with crab meat, melted butter all over. Remember the Point of View restaurant? Of course. Yeah, folks, a uh, Point of View. one there. Point of View was down in Parkersburg, but up on a hilltop. Uh, I'd say it was slightly, let's see here, let me get my directions. Be slightly southwest of the center of town. 
but up on a hilltop overlooking the Ohio River and Blennerhassett and all that stuff. It was what a wonderful place. I wonder why it doesn't still exist. I don't know. Anyway. That was a good good jaunt over there. Nice view. Nice place. The only thing I can say. Good food. That um, several folks that worked at the station and myself. Jeff Lang was one of them. Cheech. Yeah. Uh, we were going to the point of view from Athens, and I hit a dog. Bro- broke my heart. Oh, did you have to tell us that? I, I've, it's the only animal I've ever struck. It was awful. Yes, it is. It's and, terrible. Yeah. And, um... You stopped, of course. Of course. And, and tried to, um... Well, I, I don't want to go on with this story. Okay. It's so sad. But anyway. Um, all right. Well, anyway, good morning. Uh, that Boy, that didn't help things at all. Well, yeah, I was talking about stuffed mushrooms I know. with crab meat, and he ended up there with that. Yeah. Just thinking back, this, this, is, this story is 40 years ago, I'll bet. And... Uh, still hurts me. All right, let's see here. On this day in history, the year 1522, Martin Luther begins preaching his invocavit, invocavit, I think that's right, sermons in the German city of Wittenberg, reminding citizens to trust God's word rather than violence and less helping bring to a close the revolutionary stage of the Reformation. Boy, I read that well. <laughs> you did? Well, I couldn't see what you were reading, so uh, you have well. to take your word for it, I guess. 1776, Adam Smith publishes the influential economics book, The Wealth of Nations. These, these, of course, all historical events on this date of March 9th. Let's see here. 1918, the Russian Bolshevik Party becomes the Communist Party. 1933, U.S. Congress is called into session, special session, as it were, by FDR, beginning its 100 days. I'm not really familiar with that expression. Would you mind digging into that? There what? was a period of time in 1933 known as the 100 Days, and it um, dealt with Congress. I'm just sort of curious. Oh, the first 100 days of FDR's presidency Okay. began on March 4th, 1933. Yes. Now, what was the purpose of that? FDR immediately summoned the U.S. Congress into a three-month, nearly 100-day special session, during which he presented and was able to rapidly get past a series of 15 major bills designed to counter the effects of the Great Depression. 
Okay. I, I figured there was something I didn't know there. And yeah. I remember a few of them, the CCC, the TVA. Yeah. Uh, a lot of great things came out of that to rebuild the country. We've got a caller incidentally. Good morning. Good morning. Chickadee-poo. Chickadee-poo indeed. <laughs> How's everybody on this nice, warm spring day? Well, yeah. just in the last uh, <laughs> 10 minutes, the big snowflakes are starting to fall again, where we had nothing when we first started the show. Well, I hope this is the last hoorah for that S word. Yes. I'm Dave, I gotta, I'm just wondering, is OU basketball game on TV? I don't know. Which one, the girls or the men? The men. The the game tomorrow night, all of the MAC tournament games are on ESPN Plus. So you have uh, to have a subscription for that. Now, Friday, they will be on the CBS Sports Network. Should they win or should they not win, the games will still be on the CBS Sports Network. And then Saturday, the championship game will be on ESPN 2. All righty. Well, I just hope they get out of that funk they're in and play ball like they can play. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. I um, I brought in um, an item I found this morning, and uh, it'll take me a few minutes to go over it, and Scott will be interested in it too. But it's, it's entitled 2022's Best Cities for College Basketball Fans. Think about that. All right. Well, I'll, I just wanted to know. I'll just hang up and listen to your report there. Okay. Thank you. Hey, wait you a minute. Before wait, you go, you, you got a prediction for the Bobcats to get out of that funk? Definitely, I hope. What's your prediction of the score? OU, Ball State. I Last time I made a score prediction, I was opposite wrong way, so I'm not <laughs> going to predict nothing. Okay. Well, then predict Ball State by 30. How about that? Well, I just hope the Bobcats played at their potential and kicked butt. Yeah, me too. They got some great potential, that's for sure. Yes, they do. All righty, you guys have a great day. Be careful and safe out there. Likewise. All right. See you now. See you, Don. Talk to you later. Bye. Um, okay, bye-bye. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so, so the subject of basketball. We're in the thick of it now. We're going to be rugged. Boy, I had an extra syllable in there somewhere. Um, we're going to be broadcasting uh, both men's and women's games uh, from here out. Um, the athletic department turned to us and said, would you do the women's games too? And we said, sure. So um, I don't have the schedule all memorized, but... Uh, they played a day this morning at 11. Okay. The Lady Bobcats. And you'll hear that um, here, right? I'm not sure if or it's going to be it here or Power Network. 105. I looked on the sports calendar, and I did not see it listed. So it's going to be on one of them. Okay. We've got it on the air. We just don't know which whether it's in this this studio or the, the one over across the way here. Um. Anyway, so I, I came across this article this morning, 2022's. Best cities for college basketball fans. Well, obviously, that caught my attention because, you know, I'm a real bobcat nut. I, and um, my wife 
likes going to football, but she loves going to basketball. And there's just so much um, energy and enthusiasm in the combo. What a great facility. And, of course, a great team, right? Yeah. So. Really good. <clears throat> um, okay, so I, I'm going to test you because you know a lot more about sports than I do. I mean, you were in the industry for some years. Yes. Um, what city in the United States do you think, this is for college now, uh, is cited as the best city in the nation? I'm going to guess Durham, North Carolina. You are dead right. Can that Had be? to be. Dead wrong. They normally say it like that, don't they? Yes, I'm alive right. You're alive right. Now. With Duke and North Carolina, both right there in Durham. Yeah. Now, played, played a few games there. Um, let's see here. Let me, let me read the intro to all of this. While college basketball games may experience smaller crowds this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Fans across the United States are gearing up to watch March Madness and uh, on television and radio. College basketball is a big deal in the United States, and depending on where you live, it may have even more draw than the professional level does. For example, the most profitable team, the Louisville Cardinals, has a yearly revenue of, of nearly 48 Point six million bucks, but the sport is about much more than the money. It is about the players and the entertainment value. Which cities provide the most exciting teams to root for? Well, that's a tough question to answer, as each city has its own unique basketball history and charm. Right? Graduates also tend to favor their alma maters while others may have an understandable loyalty to their hometowns. So, uh, they did this report. So, as you, you properly guessed, number one for college football, city in the, in the nation, Durham, North Carolina. Now, it gets tougher to guess, doesn't it? Who do you think might come next? Uh, let's see. Los Angeles. Nope. Storrs, Connecticut. S-T-O-R-R-S. Yep, where University of Connecticut is. Number three is Lexington, Kentucky. Number four is Lawrence, Kansas. Okay, so, um, what did you say, Los Angeles? Yeah, for UCLA. It comes in fifth. Um, so let's, let's, uh, talk about Ohio now. Okay. In Ohio, what city do you think ranks the highest? Uh, Columbus. Um, uh, nope. Cincinnati. Yes. It comes in 47th. And by the way, how long is the list? Let me get to that. 292 listings. 
cities are listed. 292. And um, what I just say, Columbus came in... Um, 47. That was Cincinnati. Oh, I've got my pages mixed up here. Well, Columbus comes in... I'm sorry, Cincinnati comes in 47th and first in Ohio. Dayton is next at 50. Kent comes in next with 55th in the nation. Athens comes in next, 64th in the nation. Now, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Because they got, what did I say, 282 cities listed? Something like that. 200, 284 cities listed. And Athens comes in 60, what did I say, 64th? Mm-hmm. Yes. Toledo comes in 84th. Akron comes in 102nd. Columbus comes in 120th. Way to go, Bobcat fans. Bowling Green, 149th. Bobcat Nation. Youngstown, 216th. Well, you get the idea, right? Yeah. What about that's what about one of your favorites? Oxford. Oh, it is on the list. I saw it somewhere just a minute. I think I Oh, it comes in one seventy seventh. One hundred and seventy seventh. Boy, the Bobcat Nation punked them by a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like a hundred and thirteen spots. <laughs> okay. Now let's go back here. I think I had something else in here that was of interest. <clears throat> okay. Okay, here best city versus worst city. Uh and um best performing college basketball teams. Versus worst-performing college basketball teams. Number one, Spokane. Number two, Lynchburg. Three, Charlottesville. Four, Waco. And five, Lawrence, Kansas. How about the worst? Just five pretty good picks right there. Yeah. Princess Anne, Maryland. Dover, Delaware. Moscow, Idaho. Vanessa, Georgia, and I don't even know how to say this. Ida Bena, Ida Bena, Miss uh, MS. That's Missouri or Mississippi. MS. Yeah. Is uh, Mississippi. Okay. Missouri is M M O, M-O isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, um, lowest minimum season ticket price for a college basketball game versus highest. Okay, so the least expensive for a season ticket, Charlotte, North Carolina. UNC. 
Let's see. Terre Haute. Uh, in fact, wait a minute. It's in a three-way tie. Excuse me. Charlotte, North Carolina, Terre Haute, Indiana, and Ithaca, New York. They are all tied um, and then coming in second is a three-way tie as well. Lincoln, Nebraska, Salt Lake City, Utah, and Jackson, um, Mississippi. Now, what about most expensive? We got a seven-way tie. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we better do it. Richmond, Virginia, Bloomington, Indiana, Auburn, Alabama, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Oxford, Mississippi, Malibu, California, and Lawrence, Kansas. Most accessible college basketball stadiums versus least accessible. What do you think they're talking about? Uh, probably access or close to the floor, close to the action, close to the game. Uh, probably entrance into the stadium and then seat location. Well, anyway, I'll just do, um, well, you got a five-way tie for first on that. Uh, since I don't understand it. Okay, most engaged college fans. So we got a six-way tie for first. So see if you can pick a few out. You're really good at this. Oh, stuff. one of them's got to be Duke. They're uh, right there next okay. to the floor. Let's see. Durham? Yes, it's, uh, it is uh, listed. These are alphabetical, so it comes in second, but it's a six-way tie. Oh. Um. So Chapel Hill, Durham, North Carolina, yep, Duke, Lawrence, Kansas, University of Kansas, Bloomington, Indiana, Indiana University, East Lansing, Michigan, Michigan State, and College Park, Maryland. Maryland, yep. How about Some least engaged fans? Wouldn't you like to have that uh, distinction? <laughs> Not if I'm an administrator at whatever school they're going to be in that list you're going to read. Yeah. So coming in dead last is Arlington, Texas. That's UT Arlington, University of Texas. Before them, Denver, Colorado. University of Denver. Before them, San Jose, California. Then San Francisco. Then Colorado Springs comes in 288. Okay. Well, I think we've beat that up enough. I think that was uh, Colorado State University. Well, we got started on this day in history, and there was one more item that well, I... Was, that was pretty cool, that list, before yeah. we go on there. That well, was kind of enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I might take a peek at it. You bet. Um, there was one item I didn't mention. In 1961, on this date, Soviet flight... Sputnik 9 carries and returns from orbit a dog named Shanushka, which is in uh, English Blackie, some frogs, and a guinea pig. I kind of remember that. 
Okay, so let's see. Getting back to our normal routine here. Famous birthdays, right? So we have um, Amerigo Vespucci. You knew him, didn't you? Of course. He was born on this date in 1454 and died in 1512. And once again, we got one of these pictures of concrete or granite head sculpture or something uh Vespucci a lot of historians say that he was the individual from which the name America was derived I guess I have heard that he was an Italian merchant explorer and navigator from the Republic of Florence from whose name the term America is derived between 1497 and 1504 Vespucci participated in at least two voyages of the Age of Discovery, first on behalf of Spain and then for Portugal. Huge snowflakes falling right down on Columbus Road, and they're falling straight down. That means no wind. Sure are. That means the snow clouds aren't moving either up above us. They look like apparently they're stationary. The next <clears throat> birthday we have to mention is, um, I, I have no idea how to pronounce this first name. Well, now I just sounded it out. Vyacheslav. That's the first name. Second name, Molotov. M-O-L-O-T-O-V. I wonder if he has anything to do with cocktails. Anyway... <coughs> He was born on this date in 1890. He died in 1986. I would say that could be, but it doesn't mention this. Um, He was a Russian politician and diplomat, an old Bolshevik. You old Bolshevik, you. (laughs) And a leading figure in the Soviet government from the 1920s onward. He served as the chairman of the Council of People's Commissars, from 1930 to 1941, and as Minister of Foreign Affairs from 1939 to 1949, and also from 1953 to 56. Now, what does Molotov mean in Russian? It is literally called son of a man called Hammer. How about that? Now, how did he help Joseph Stalin? Shortly before the outbreak of World War II, Molotov was picked by Stalin to replace Litvinov as the Soviet Commissar of Foreign Affairs. In this capacity, he negotiated the German-Soviet Non-Aggression Pact in 1939 with Nazi Germany, of which we all know that Germany disrespected and disregarded that pact that was signed in 1939. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Two more to do for birthdays. Jose P. Laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, born in on this date in 1891, died in 1959. He was a Filipino politician and judge who served as the president of the Japanese-occupied Second Philippine Republic 
a puppet state during World War II from 1943 to 45. Yuri Gargarin is next. Um, Gargarin was born in 1934 on this date and died in 1968. Yuri Gargarin. That was the first name of the first American compact model vehicle. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that was Hugo, which I mentioned earlier. But I, I anyway. I heard you talk about it. Did you? Yeah. Remember the Hugos? I think I saw one yesterday, as a matter of You're fact. You're kidding me. Those no. things are ancient. I know. Hugo. Um, okay. Gargarin was a Soviet pilot and cosmonaut who became the first human to journey into outer space. Traveling in the Vostok 1 capsule, Gagarin completed one orbit of the Earth on April 12, 1961, during the race for space. Two famous deaths um, on today's sheet. One is Hans Christian Orsted. That's O-R. I, I slurred that. O-R-S-T-E-D. He was a Danish physicist and chemist who discovered that electric currents create magnetic fields, which was the first connection found between electricity and magnetism. Orsted's law and the Orsted unit are named after him. And he died on this date in 1851. Um, the second to have passed on this date um, that this report says, talks about is Menachem Begin. Um, he was born in 1913, but he died on this date in 1992. Menachem Begin was an Israeli politician, founder, and the sixth prime minister of Israel, founder of Likud, L-I-K-U-D, and before the creation of the state of Israel, he was the leader of the Zionist militant group Ergen, the revisionist breakaway from the larger Jewish par paramilitary organization Haganah. Okay, here's a little blurb. Um, <clears throat> on March 9th, a one-man war finally ends. They have a picture of this man. It's a Japanese soldier. Uh, this is going to sound like the word hero, H-E-R-O, but it's not. His first name is Hero, but it's H-I-R-O-O, and his last name, Onada, O-N-O-D-A. On this date, he finally surrendered nearly 30 years after the Second World War had ended. March 9th. Wow. I've heard about that story. Mm -hmm. Where was it? Where was that? But well, there was some island, wasn't it? I do believe it was, yes. He survived in isolation for 29 years. A park on a Philippine island of Lubang preserves the legacy of the Japanese holdout who survived on bananas and meat 
for those 29 years. Uh, a Philip in the Philippines, apparently, an island near the Philippines. Mm, yes, yes. And uh, let's see. I want to see how did they find him. He met on February 20th, 1974. He met a Japanese man who was traveling around the world looking for Lieutenant Onada, a panda, and the abominable snowman in that order. (laughs) And he later found Onada after four days. Did he find the others? Uh, It does not reference that, too. (laughs) But... He one one out of three ain't bad, I guess. Well, the panda he could probably find that, but the snowman, I don't know. Maybe he could find it today here in Athens, the way it's snowing right now. Straight down, big flakes. Well, of course you've heard the U.S. has banned Russian oil imports. It became final or absolute yesterday which is one of the most significant economic steps taken since Russia's invasion of the Ukraine nearly two weeks ago. The move comes as gas prices already rising before the crisis in Ukraine jumped to a national average, they say, of $4.17. That is per gallon. Russia accounts for 3% of annual U.S. crude oil imports, or 8% when including refined products. In Europe, where countries are more dependent on Russian energy supplies, the U.K. said it would phase out Russian oil by the end of the year. European Union officials said they would cut Russian gas imports by two-thirds this year and be fu- and become <coughs> excuse me become fully independent from Russian energy supplies by the end of the decade. They're not rushing to be non-Russian, are they? Anyway, meanwhile, more than two million of Ukraine's 44 million residents have fled the country in what has become Europe's most refugee crisis, rather worst refugee crisis since World War II. NATO officials have accused Russian forces of potentially targeting evacuating civilians. Um, let's see here. This is a different story. But part of my printer didn't work here this morning, but I'll, I'll, I think we've got enough to work with here. In this story, satellite images of North Korea show potential new activity at its main nuclear weapons testing site. 
I don't even know how to say this. Pungjiri or something like that is the name of the site where all six of its previous nuclear tests have occurred. The images appear to show one new structure and repairs to another nearly four years after the country claimed to close the facility. The activity is the latest in a string of provocations by the regime this year, including nine missile launches. Once again, we're talking about North Korea. The changes at the facility are the first since Kim Jong-un carried out a public demolition of the test site back in 2018, which preceded a summit between Kim and then-President Donald Trump. The most recent test resulted in a collapsed tunnel, reportedly killing nearly 200 workers in 2017. Um... Officials believe North Korea has continued to stockpile fissile material on the intervening years. Fissile, F-I-S-S-I-L-E. What does that word mean? I'm not sure. I can check it out here. Okay. Fissile, F-I-S-S-I-L-E. Yes. I think it's a type of earth. Um, because where that tunnel collapsed, I think, I think they've, um, they're trying to report it on a tired mountain syndrome rather than that any of these missile launches had anything to do with that. But what is fissile? Fissile materials are materials that can undergo the fission reaction. Oh, mercy, I'm way off. They are the key component of nuclear weapons or other nuclear explosive devices. Uh, In nuclear engineering, it is material capable of sustaining a uh, nuclear fission chain reaction. By definition, it can sustain the chain reaction with neutrons of thermal energy. I was way off. Anyway, it remains unknown whether the country, and we're talking about North Korea, will resume nuclear weapons testing at that site. All right. uh, I think he will. I don't think there's anything to deter him from it. Hope I'm wrong, but, you know, he doesn't really care what other people think about him. Okay, if we're talking about America, and we're talking about white, I'm not, not white, red versus blue, we're talking about politics, right? Could be. Well, I mean, we, we, we are. Now, just because I don't want to misspeak, if you live in a red part of the country... What party is that? Well, typically it's referred to as Republican. Okay. And if you live in a blue, that's Democrat, right? Well, that would be the other one, yes. Okay. 
So um, out of the New York Times, I have an article. And um, life in red America and blue America is quite different. What about COVID caseloads? Okay. So life, daily life in red and blue America has continued to be quite different over the past few years. It's a reflection of the partisan divide over COVID-19. So consider the following. Number one, in the country's most liberal cities, many people are still avoiding restaurants. The number of seated diners last month was at least 40% below pre-pandemic levels in New York, Philadelphia, Minneapolis, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, and Cambridge, Massachusetts. Now, that's op- that's according to a report by a, a website called Open Table. By contrast, the number of diners has fully recovered in, <coughs> excuse me, Las Vegas, Miami, Nashville, Phoenix, Charlotte, North Carolina, North Carolina, and Austin, Texas, as well as in Oklahoma, Nebraska, and New Hampshire. Residents, uh, here's a second point. Residents of liberal cities like New York, Washington, and San Jose, California, are still spending significantly more time at home and less at the office than before the pandemic began. In more conservative places, the rhythms of daily life have returned nearly to normal. Next point. During the Omicron wave, Schools in heavily democratic areas were more likely to close some classrooms or require that students stay at home for extended periods. And then one final point here, although there could be many more. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me have a sip of coffee. Hmm, that's good. Mask wearing remains far more common in liberal communities than in conservative ones. Well, nationwide, the number of official COVID cases has recently been somewhat higher in heavily Democratic areas than Republican areas weird, according to the Times data. That comparison doesn't fully answer the question, though, because Democratic areas were also conducting more tests, and the percentage of positive tests tended to be somewhat higher in Republican areas. So, the New York Times concludes, no single statistic offers a definitive answer. When we look at all the evidence... We emerge thinking that liberal areas probably had higher, I'm, I'm sorry, slightly lower Omicron 
infection rates than conservative areas. So. Um. You see here, the lack of a clear pattern it is itself striking. Remember, not only have Democratic voters been avoiding restaurants and wearing masks, they are also much more likely to be vaccinated and boosted. And vaccines substantially reduce the chances of infection. Combined, these factors seem as if they should have caused large differences in case rates. They have not. And that they haven't offers some clarity about the relative effectiveness of different COVID interventions. Um, let's see. The, the article goes on. Um, they're heavily in favor of vaccines. The New York Times. And I'm not surprised. And we here encourage you folks to consider it. Please. We're nearly out of time, folks. We want you to have a wonderful day out there, okay? In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH This is CBS News on the Hour. Presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The Kiev Classic Symphony Orchestra playing defiantly in Medan Square in a concert broadcast live on Ukrainian TV. Kiev's regional governor says his people would die before letting Russian forces seize the city. Today, the Kremlin agreed to a 12-hour ceasefire in some areas, allowing safe passage for Ukrainians trying to leave the country. Correspondent Charlie Daggett up from the capital. The ceasefire around Kiev reflects where Russian forces have advanced to the outskirts of the capital. <laughs> police officer bids farewell to his son, part of the reinforcements brought in as Russian forces advance. The toddler cries uncontrollably, refusing to accept what his father has to say. Lawmakers in Mariupol have just announced Russian airstrikes have destroyed the city's children's hospital. They call the damage colossal. The Pentagon has rejected a plan by Poland to give Ukraine Soviet-era fighter jets. Correspondent Christina Ruffini is in Zheshov. This announcement from Poland took American officials by surprise.